This song may have seemed a little strange for the candle lighting. But what I wanted it to suggest is there are people looking for us too. And I think on a lot of levels. The question that is the sermon title today is who's talking to us? We have a great tradition of trying to carry our understanding of freedom, reason, and tolerance into a world that can seem uh, intolerant, unreasonable, and confining, right? But when we go out in the world with that, what we're trying to do is impart what we know on other people. And so my question today is who's talking to us and how are we listening? And something I don't usually do is kind of recap everything that I've covered in the service so far with music and, and readings and stuff like that. So I'm going to just run through some of them real quickly. The prelude was the fuse by Jackson Brown, and it said, uh, you are what you choose to be. It's whatever it is you see that life will become. You fill your head with stuff that darkens every hope and aspiration. You can't see something else to become. Are there really people starving still? I want to say right now, I'm going to be around and I'm going to be I'm going to be around when the walls and towers crumble down and I will tune my spirit to the gentle sound of water lapping on high level. Then the choir did God give me. That song, when I, when I wrote it, it, it was to set up the idea that it's going to be a selfish song. God, give me. And the whole song is about, please allow me to be of service. Prepare me for what's mine to do in this world. Love, show me the way to do what's hard to do. Live in peace. God, give me the strength to do what's mine to do. God, give me hope and love and faith enough. Then Mahatma Gandhi, a principle is a principle. We have to strive to achieve it, and striving should be conscious, deliberate, and hard. Then Michelangelo, so that we might give birth again to the dream. If you don't keep the dream alive, what's going to happen to it? Sometimes it might grow up, but I, but I think Maya was saying it has to be reborn all the time in our hearts and our lives. And then Hosea Ballou, let us agree in love to keep the unity of the Spirit. To keep the unity of the Spirit. How in the world do we get there from here? 
unity of the Spirit. In the story, he said the best way to get rid of your enemies is to make them your friends. And in this choir circle around for freedom, we were saying, keep the circle whole. And then one more step till there's peace for us and everyone. And if the messenger is angry and no one hears a thing, she's a plant. Listen to your heart. When there are a lot of distractions and it's hard to breathe. And the heart that we're talking about isn't the fear, it isn't the, it isn't the worry. It's the part that sits there knowing that the dignity and love and peace we bring with us to every occasion whether it's defending something that needs to be defended, whether it's protecting something that needs to be protected. If we go in hatefully, everything about that is destructive. Listening to our hearts, we carry with us something worth taking to that <laughs> endeavor. The opportunities are all around us. So what will we do with them? And what will we do differently that will allow the people who don't trust us and the people, frankly, we might not trust to be able to open conversations? Now, I know there are all kinds of people around us that don't want to hear anything we have to say. And there are people around us that we would have to do a lot of personal work to be able to listen to. Must be something going on. Are these all news flashes? We're still here, right? <laughs> um, In the last two or three generations, love has come to be a core principle of Unitarian Universalism. We've made it central, a central theme and an organizing tenet. And we think we've succeeded in gaining, I, I think we've succeeded in gaining a respectable level of trust in a number of communities whose demographics don't necessarily correlate with ours. But there are a lot of congregations whose demographics correlate pretty tightly with ours that don't give a flip what we say. And I would like to suggest that if we aren't being someone that they can talk to, 
then maybe part of that missing bridge is us. Everywhere I go right now, there are people willing to talk across what has been smaller canyons. Everywhere. If you get lost looking at the Grand Canyon that is the nation that we stand in and, and the overwhelming view, you're not going to see the little paths of connection that you have with everybody around you that's not like you and that you don't agree with that you can start to build on. Every single one of those little paths makes a difference. And there are a whole lot of people that are looking for ways to connect that weren't looking before. And if all our focus is on people that don't want to connect, then we're wasting our time. You don't go into a place telling somebody what they need to think and expect it's going to change anything. In this time of rapidly and drastically changing social, political, economic, and religious landscapes, the family ground under the familiar ground under everyone's feet is shifting, and nobody is comfortable with it. There are some people that are excited, and that's good. Somebody's got to have some energy. But everybody that's questioning where they're standing is, is scanning for safe places to make a bridge. And I only know this because some of them are talking to me. People that would never think about asking my opinion have been. Me! None of y'all want to hear what I have to say. <laughs> so my question is, who's talking to us? If we want anybody to hear anything we have to say, we better be willing to hear them first. And not only hear what they're saying, but hear what's behind what they're saying. Assume, because this is the case for most of them, assume that what they are telling you is their story, is their truth. That is what they understand. That is where they came to from their life experience. They are just as solidly grounded in what they are trying to share as we are and what we're trying to share. And we don't change anything by hollering at them. We don't change anything by insisting that we're right. And again, I am not saying don't defend what needs defending. I am not saying don't protect what's needing protection. 
But again, I am saying the heart, the compassion, and the grounding in what's bigger and deeper changes the effect of everything we do. Again, I want to ask everybody to, if you will, if you can, we've ordered some more. If uh, the price is at all difficult, uh, lot, lots of people have been paying more than the book cost them, so we're making a, a kind of a pool of fun for people um, to have a book. I would like for the congregation to read the book Dignity. There are people in other congregations that are reading the book. I am sharing it with people of different political parties and they are agreeing to, to read. Um, you know, make time and clarity in your own spirit to develop the connections on those ever so narrow linen bridges. The places that you have stuff in common with people, even if it's not the views. There was one man I was talking with. <clears throat> I was just flabbergasted when he said to me, what are we going to do about this division in our nation? He, he said, and then he started... If we're doing this, can't we expect them to do I said, whoa, we can't start there. And what I'm hoping is to create, we agreed we'd get together again and have coffee and talk some more. What I'm hoping is that we're going to develop ways that we can walk towards hearing the stories that fill in all of the what we plug in assumptions to if we don't know the stories. We look at anything that's not close to our world, and I know people that are just phenomenal at filling in all the gaps. They do it out loud. Um, writing storylines for everything that goes past that, that they don't know. Um, but we do that. We, we, we let our imagination fill in what's not in our experience with our assumptions. We don't do well with voids. We don't do well with vacuums. So, so anything we don't know about, we kind of fill it in with what's made up, frankly. And the only way to, re to fill that space with something accurate is to hear the stories of the people about whom we would be filling those gaps. I don't feel like I'm saying that for the hoop. <laughs> Try again. In the adult education class, we're watching little... Uh, pieces of a reconciliation session that Desmond Tutu is facilitating, Archbishop Desmond Tutu, Emeritus Desmond Tutu, 
and Donna Hicks, who wrote the book I'm trying to read, they're, they're facilitating this reconciliation session in Northern Ireland. There are people who have lost family members and people who have killed people coming together and they're hearing each other's stories. It doesn't completely heal the wounds, but it changes stuff enough so that it can become transformative. The actual stories of other people make a difference. If you want to understand somebody else, ask them about them. If what, what they have concluded doesn't make sense to you, see how far you can go in finding out how they got there. Our closing hymn is number 95. There's more love. I think you guys are exceptional. I think you do incredible work. Oh, I played this one, don't I? <laughs> I think you do incredible work. And all I'm trying to do is help us set our eyes on a bigger toolbox and growing more solid in our capacity to hold the tension of the world until we can heal. And I think those opportunities are a whole lot closer than we think they are. May it be so. Lord.